I think another thing is you have to be willing to give up comfort and security to chase passionate income, as you put it. There is no doubt having a steady paycheck is very comfortable. It's very secure. So you have to be willing to give that up. On the flip side, and we can talk more about this, you don't necessarily have to give up. There is another alternative path that we can talk about. Oh, cliffhanger. Welcome to the Action Academy podcast. Stand back while I celebrate freedom. The show where we help you achieve financial independence with the mindsets, methods, and actionable steps from guests who've already earned their freedom. The flags of freedom fly. Choose to do what you want. What you want. With who you want. With who you want. When you want. When you want. With another episode today. Now, here's your host, Brian Lubin. All right, Mr. Adam Gilbert. How are you, my friend? I'm doing all right, man. I'm doing all right. Excited to have you on and excited to dive into your story, your backstory, where you are today, your vision for the future. So before we get started and before we go back, I'm curious how you introduce yourself. What's your elevator pitch for Adam Gilbert today as you are? Yeah, so I'm the founder of My Body Tutor. And what we do is we devise diet and exercise plans for our clients and we help them stick with it through daily support, daily coaching, and daily accountability. So the fact that we're in communication with you every single day, guiding you, supporting you, coaching, holding you accountable is the key. That's why we get the results we do. So essentially, we tell you what to do, but most importantly, we make sure you actually do it day in and day out. That's why I'm really interested in having you on the show because there's so many online coaches, there's so many online fitness programs, personal trainers that exist in the market. Some would say it's saturated, but then you have come on and a lot of my friends use you. So Sam Parr from My First Million, Brandon Turner from Bigger Pockets. Like guys like this use you because the methods that we talk about in entrepreneurship and the stuff that we talk about that gets business done that makes millions of dollars is the same principles that you apply with health and fitness. So that's why it really resonates with entrepreneurs. And I'm excited to get into this. Before we start, I'll say to everyone, I'll give Adam glowing endorsements. He is not sponsoring me. This is just all organic. So I'll go ahead and say that. Man, before we get to where you are today and where you're going, I actually want to go back a little bit to some blog posts that you made. Hopefully you remember them. The first one was like from 2014. And you talked about this John Mayer video. Do you remember that? Wow. You did your research. I would say the quote specifically, and I want to let you riff on this. You said, something he said really resonated with me. Defining success is the difference between people who walk this earth happy and people who walk this earth consistently unfulfilled because they never define the finish line. I know artists who have sold 2 million records. It's not enough because they never said what making it enough was going to be. You talk about this thing called the interior decorator problem. I'm curious if you still remember that and if you want to riff on that, man, because that was really interesting. Yeah, I think what John Mayer is saying is you have to have a set kind of finish line, especially if you're an artist like him or some sort of just goal. Otherwise, it's like chasing fame, right? You're just going to continue to chase this where it, there's an, it's never ending. The interior decorator problem is something I've talked about in the past where it's, I think one of the reasons why people hire interior decorators is they're not sure what they want, right? They don't know what they want and they need someone to present them different options, different ideas. And that's why people hire them and they look for it. They curate it. They give you all sorts of examples. They implement it. The interior decorator problem is about, it's really about not knowing what you want and you have to know what you want. Otherwise you're never going to get it. That's first and foremost. 
So I'm curious about dissecting your brain on this because you were from Ernst & Young, so you had a corporate career there, and then you left to go build up this wildly popular business that you have today, which is insane and it's impacting thousands of people. You've helped thousands of people and you're continuing to grow and grow. And so you've accomplished what we call transitioning from <clears throat> employee to entrepreneur. You've gone from captive income to passionate income, where you're living your dream, you're living your passion, and you built a business around it. So I'm curious, take us back to Ernst & Young, Adam Gilbert, and having the idea to leave this, because I'm assuming that your brain is very analytical. And a lot of the Ernst & Young people, the consultants, the engineers that I talk to have a, a big problem with vision and trying to exit the thing that they have right now. They have a good thing, but they want to leave to make a great alternative. And it's hard for them to conceptualize that without having every single step planned out. So can you walk us through that journey? Yeah, first off, I love the play in words from passive income to passionate income. I like that. That's great. I think for me, health and fitness has always been a huge passion of mine. Just a quick backstory. I got into health and fitness and kind of became really obsessed with it and passionate about it because of my father. So growing up, when I was in seventh grade, he had a heart attack. Me and my sister actually drove him to the hospital. Uh, a few days later, he had triple bypass surgery. And then later that year, he was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. So seeing him deteriorate mentally and physically throughout the years until he passed away was obviously really hard, right? So I knew early on that health is true wealth. I realized that without your health, nothing means anything. So I just became really into it, really passionate about it from an early age. And so I always knew I wanted to do something in health and fitness. I just wasn't sure what. But I also knew that having an accounting background would be great for any business I started. So I was always a personal trainer focusing on nutrition, fitness, et cetera, but I also did accounting. When I was at Ernst Young, I can remember within the first week of my job there, the office was in Times Square. I lived in New York City, and I just remember everyone's, oh, this is great. You must be so excited. And within that first week, I had a stomachache walking to work. Mm. And the reason why I had a stomachache was because I knew this was not what I was meant to be doing. And I was like, this is awful. Like I, re I vividly remember sitting in like orientations and just like meeting these people. And some of them were great, but I'm like, these are not my type of people. These people were just super passionate about accounting and all that stuff. And like, that just wasn't me. So I used accounting as a stepping stone as, all right, here's the first step. I think it's a good background, a good foundation for business. But for me, it was always like, I was always the go-to guy for health and fitness, right? So I was always giving people health advice, diet advice, et cetera. And when I was at Ernst & Young, it was the same story. People would ask me for you know advice and I'd give them a diet plan or an exercise plan. And it was the same story. I'd see them a week or two later, depending on client obligations, depending on where we were. And it was always the same story. It was always, I love the plan you made for me, but. And the but was I got caught up with work, kids, mm. happy hour, life, et cetera. And I realized early on that a lack of knowledge wasn't the real issue. It was a lack of consistent action. And I think when you say there's all sorts of online coaches and this and that, my thesis from day one, and we're on year 16 now, is that a lack of knowledge is not the real issue. It's a lack of consistent action. It's doing it day in and day out, week after week, month after month. So everything we do is designed to help people stick with it. But to make this a long story shorter, it's already a long story. Two things that stick out to me also while I was at Ernst Young. Number one, when I realized that I wanted to do something else, my mom said I was absolutely crazy. She said, what are you doing? You have a dream job. People will kill to be in your shoes. You're living in New York City. You just graduated college, this and that. And I was like, I'm not happy. This is not what I want to be doing. 
And ultimately, I wind up quitting my job anyway, when my only goal was to not have to move back home. And I was able to do that. And also, I think another thing is you have to be willing to give up comfort and security to chase passionate income, as you put it. There is no doubt having a steady paycheck is very comfortable. It's very secure. So you have to be willing to give that up. On the flip side, and we can talk more about this, you don't necessarily have to give up. There is another alternative path that we can talk about. Oh, cliffhanger. Five-star rating review, guys. <laughs> nah, I, I love that. And I'm curious, was there a, an event? Was there a day? Was there a tipping point where all of a sudden there was enough pain for you to just say, okay, I can't do this a single more day? Or was it just from that initial feeling in your stomach and that just never went away? It's a toothache, like a dull toothache where it just gets stronger and stronger until eventually you're like, oh my God, one day this is unbearable. It probably started during business season in accounting where I was like, all right, this is really ridiculous. I'm sitting here. It's 10 p.m. I'm not doing anything I'm remotely passionate about. And it also, I, know, I do also vividly remember being on a treadmill working out in the morning before work. And I'm like, I feel so great right now. I really want everyone to experience this. So it's probably the combination of both of those things of I hate what I'm doing, but I also want people to feel this way like this. I'm just really excited about that. Was there a financial goal that you had for your side hustle that you wanted to hit for so that you could leave and justify it? Or was it more so you leaving just out of, I'm just going to build a parachute, jump out of the plane and build a parachute on the way down? So for me, I was that this was in 2000. So I started Ernst Young in 2005. I quit there in 2007. I just jumped out of the plane and built the parachute as we went down. I was two years out of college. I did not, this, I quit cold turkey, right? So I quit Ernst Young and then I started my body tutor. I had the idea for it, it was percolating, but I didn't really do much work on it until I actually left. But I also, it's important to note that I was two years out of college, right? I, I, I wasn't married. I didn't have kids like I do now. So my responsibility, the only responsibility was myself, right? So my only goal was to be able to pay my New York City rent. I still, my mom was like about health insurance, this and that. It's like all this fear was like, it, it was really debilitating. But eventually I'm like, I have to just do this because it was just, I was, I felt like I was slowly dying. Mm -hmm. For people listening right now that don't have a wife and kids, don't have the family, don't have all the fixed debt, which is why people that are five years, 10 years into EY and all the different companies and corporate, once you're $10,000, $20,000 in fixed debt every single month, you can't leave. It's just, it's, it's impossible. It's what people feel like at least, but it makes it a lot, hell of a lot harder. And so for people listening right now that are in the position that Adam is, the biggest risk that you can actually take is continuing that job. If you don't have the kids yet, if you don't have the high overhead, because your personal deficit, like your, the worst case scenario is that you quit, you fail, you go get another job. So your worst case scenario is your present day reality. So I want to highlight something, Adam, that I think is really important in your story. And that is that you already had organic demand. And I think that's really important because people try to find, build the solution to a problem that doesn't exist, or they try to reverse engineer this thing that's not their natural proclivity, but you actually started with organic demand. So you were already doing the thing and had proof of concept on the side. And then you were like, I can mash the gas on this thing. So you did that while you were at EY. Can you talk about that and the importance of kind of figuring out your market and getting to know your customer before making the leap? Is that something you'd recommend? 
Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Health and fitness, as I said, has been a, a passion of mine for as long as I can remember. While I was at Ernst & Young, I would, it was just natural. I love talking about health and fitness. People knew I was into it. So people would ask me, hey, can you give me a diet plan? Can you give me an exercise plan? And I would love to. I did it for free. And it was, it was like, all right, let's talk about what you like, what you dislike, your non-negotiables, all that good stuff. And then it was always the same story. It was always, I love the plan you made for me, but right when I would see them a week or two later. And that's where the light bulb went off for me. It was like, all right, they have the information. They have the plan. They're just not following through. And that's where the idea of daily accountability came into play. It's like, what if there was a way for me to stay in touch with these people each and every day, for me to see exactly what they ate meal by meal, for me to see what they did for exercise and be able to give them feedback every day. And that's where the idea came from. And that's what, like, when I left Ernst Young, I'm like, all right, I have something different here because for a long time on the internet, back in the day online, people were only selling information, right? So you were mm-hmm. only seeing courses, you were only seeing books, eBooks, no one was really selling accountability, right? As I said, my thesis from day one has always been, people know what to do for the most part, they just can't do it. And I boiled it down to three reasons. And again, not to give you another cliffhanger, we could talk about that later. People know what to do when it comes to their health and fitness for the most part. We know it's good for us, we know it's not good for us. For the most part, it's just about doing it consistently. For people listening to the show, does this sound familiar? And to Adam, do you want to be best friends to go do karate in the garage? <laughs> because dude, you're, you're preaching to the choir. So basically, one word formed your entire business, the word but, right? So you, you saw something that you were really into and you had a deeply rooted passion for since childhood. And then you went and you what you did without knowing it was you went and you were, you know, interviewing your target customer and you're figuring out what problems are you actually running into that you can solve. I want to really hit on how you came to this conclusion and how you built up your business plan here in a second. But first, I want to ask, there are probably millions of online coaches and fitness programs and everything. And I agree with what you said. The flag that I actually am planting in the ground right now is I think I want to be like the death of online courses at this point, because I think in the next three to five years, everyone's going to shift to community and accountability and people as opposed to information, because I think you're spot on. What do you think made the difference between you lasting 16 years in this business and growing this thing as opposed to the other probably 95% of people that go to say, oh, I'm going to go do health and fitness. I'm going to do coaching. And then they crash and burn and go back to their job. What's the difference? I think a lot of people chase opportunities. And I think when you're chasing an opportunity, it's about money. I don't know if you remember, I don't know how many years ago it was. Do you remember Groupon? Yeah. Groupon blew up. It was like, if you get a, a certain amount of people, everyone gets a coupon. And at one time, there was like tens of thousands of Groupon clones. And the point is, these people saw an opportunity and they were chasing it. And then as soon as there was another opportunity, they were on to the next one, right? For me, health and fitness is my life's work. This is my passion. This is my calling. This is a mission for me, really. And the mission is I want to help people stay consistent, right? And when you grow up with a sick father and you see what it does week after week, month after month, year after year, just how he was deteriorating, like it's, I guess for me, for me, it was just impossible not to impact me. So one of my missions in life was to help people be the best version of themselves. And I truly believe that when you conquer yourself, you can conquer everything else, right? When you conquer yourself, you can feel like you conquer the world. And I think that starts with health and fitness. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's about mission. I'm a, we're very mission-driven. And I think most people are opportunity-driven. 
And there's nothing wrong with that, but I think that is the explanation of why they're always on to the next thing and they can't stick with it. So it's almost like the shiny object syndrome. They're just chasing the dollar sign as opposed to chasing the mission and the end result. Got it. Exactly. So let's go over the three three reasons that you were just talking about. So you start up this business. What happens when you start introducing accountability? What are your thoughts on accountability? Walk us through the core concepts of your business and what helps people. What are the core tenets that you do that you have seen make dramatic changes in people's lives? Yeah, so I think this will be applicable to certainly business as well. Everything we do is designed to help our clients stay consistent. And my belief from day one, back in 2007, has been consistency is hard for three reasons, right? Number one, the diets that we try to follow are not sustainable to begin with. We can only follow a cookie diet or a shake diet or a lettuce diet or a no-carb diet or whatever the popular diet of the month or year is for so long, right? So the first thing we do is come up with a plan for them that is catered and customized to them, right? It's based on them, the realities of their life, their non-negotiables, their preferences, likes and dislikes, et cetera. So if we were to relate this to business, though, it'd be like, whatever you're pursuing has to be realistic, right? It has to be doable. It has to be practical. And I think sometimes we all bite off more than we could chew, whether it's like, all right, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to go for two hours every day, which, of course, always leads to burnout. Or I'm going to make 25 sales calls a week or a day. That's just too much. Start smaller. Make sure the plan you're trying to follow is actually sustainable. The litmus test I use is, can I see myself doing this for the rest of my life? And if it's not, then you're doomed for failure from the start. The second reason why consistency is so hard is that so much of what's out there is what I call it, like a food diet. And a food diet is what I call like where the only thing that changes is the food you're eating. And if the only thing changing is the food you're eating, you're not going to change for the long term. It's critical that you change what I like to call your MPH. M for mindset, P for psychology, and H for habits, right? Because when you actually change your mindset, when you change your psychology, when you change your habits, when you change your relationship with food, et cetera, it really takes willpower out of the equation, right? Typically, we start out a plan, day one, we're raring to go. By day 20, we're hanging on by the skin of our teeth, right? But when you actually change your relationship with food, you change your mindset, psychology, habits, it really does get easier and easier as time goes on. And again, if we were to relate this to fitness, to business, I think so much of success is what's going on between our ears. Or you could say so much of a, a lack of success, right, is because of that. And then last but not least, in terms of why consistency is so hard, is a lack of accountability, right? Without accountability, it's too easy to make excuses. It's too easy to rationalize to ourselves. It's too easy to say, forget it, I'll start fresh tomorrow, I'll start fresh Monday, right? Like I, had, I spoke to someone today, they, they told me they've been telling themselves they're going to start fresh on Monday for the last 10 years. This is where the idea and power of accountability comes into play, when you're owning up to someone else and when there's someone else there. So it's a combination of a, a realistic plan, really focusing on your mindset, psychology, and habits, and then having accountability and ideally on a daily basis, which is what we offer to put it all together. And the reason I like you is because you're solving a billion dollar problem. Like you're solving <laughs> seriously, because I think people put a billion dollars of resources to a hundred thousand dollar problem and you're solving a billion dollar problem, where, which is you're saying, okay, people, like, how do I get people their health consistently? Not only do I get people their health, but then not like a 12-week fad diet, but how do I help people build a relationship with health that maintains and lasts throughout their life, right? And it's just, I'm like, not only do, how do I help get people get out of their jobs, but how do I pe help people stay out of their jobs for life and be the next Adam Gilbert success story? Maybe their thing isn't health and fitness. Maybe it is. 
Maybe it's like they've loved surfing since they were a kid and they were raised up in Hawaii and they want to start a surf school. Maybe they love pottery. Maybe they love hiking in the mountains. They want to start like a mountain tour business. It's whatever it is. I want to get them and help them stay consistent there. Basically, what you're talking about is the core philosophy and James Clear with Atomic Habits, which I'm sure you love that book. I was going to say, James is a good friend. I'm actually in that book. So me and him talked, spoke a lot while he was writing the book. Hot damn, Adam. Yeah, man, there we go. Credibility, people, validation. So he has a quote in there that I really like where it's like you, people rise to the level of their goals, but they fall to the level of their systems and their standards, right? So you, So what do you do with a client like that? So you take the client and you give them all the accountability, you give them everything, give them all the information, but just in their current environment is the polar opposite. It's the people that are eating a bunch of donuts. They're not working out. Like, how do you solve for that in your business at scale? That's so interesting to me. Yeah, thank you. I can you I did because what you said was so good though. Uh, so there's two things. Number one, because I, I think it's worth mentioning. I think it'll be very helpful. Number one, I appreciate you recognizing that. Like our goal, and I always say this, is we want this to be the last program our clients ever do. Right. That's number one. But number two, as you said, we're solving a billion dollar problem. And I, and like it's interesting because when I was looking to start a business in health fitness, because I knew that was my passion. What actually held me back was I was trying to start like the next Google. I was trying to start the next big thing. And actually what helped me the most was instead of thinking big, I thought small. It was like, how can I do what I love doing on the smallest scale possible? And that is actually what was the game changer for me. Because for months, because I was at Ernst Young for two years and I told you from day one, I was like miserable. For day one, I was like plotting my exit. I was trying to think of like, all right, what's the next huge idea? What's the next thing? How can I impact the whole world? Like, how can I be the next Steve Jobs, et cetera? And it was always about going big and the real magic is going small. The smaller you can go, the more tangible, the more practical, the more approachable it is. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to share it because I think that could be really helpful because I know for me, the one thing that held me back was like trying to create this huge thing, which again, it, it wound up being de- debilitating. Question on that. I want to hit on that a little bit. Was there a pivot point in your business where you had to make an adjustment there where you said, okay, I have to go like start small, gain traction. What was the inflection point where you said, okay, now we need to really aim big to create a bigger vision to take this company to like what? So let me clarify the question. So I have a friend, Ben Kenny, who works in Keller Williams. He's the number two to Gary Keller. And he said, you have to allow your business to become big enough to like what it deserves to be, to help people, to reach people at scale. Was there a point where you said, what we're doing is working. How do we do this at scale? And you had to shift or did you, were you able to figure out the scale problem was still micro actions? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think I'm a teacher at heart. My mom was a teacher. My aunt was a teacher. My grandma was a teacher. I always wanted to teach. And for me, it was, how can we teach the most amount of people? But it was also, I think any good business solves a problem, right? The problem we solve is consistency. And I think any good business, you're solving a problem. And really the key is finding people who have that 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 problem, right? So we solve the problem of consistency and it's, hey, if you have trouble staying consistent, we can help you. I think for me, it was about proving the model, proving what I believed, the three things I talked about, making sure those were as integral as I thought they were, right? The, the correct plan, the mm-hmm. MPH stuff and the accountability. And once we got to that point, it really became clear that I was the bottleneck in the business, right? Wow. And I was, if I really want to hurt, if I really want to help more people, I need to get out of the way because I'm actually hurting the business. I'm actually hurting my mission of serving more people. So it wasn't a question of this grand master plan. It was more like, 
what I created, thankfully, people resonated with, people needed, they recognized that's what they, that was their challenge or their problem. And I was like, all right, I'm getting in the way here. I need to figure out a way to scale this. So this is a selfish question. I'm not sure you've ever gotten this before, but it's something that I'm going through in my business right now because we do a similar model, but in the entrepreneurship game. I'm like, how do we have macro impact, micro accountability, right? But as you scale, as you get to 200 clients, 1,000 clients, 5,000 clients, 10,000 clients, which I'm not sure which number you are, but you're in the thousands. The question that I'm asking is, how do you keep that personalized accountability at scale? It's maybe easy at 100, but how do you do that at 1,000 or at 10,000? So I'm curious how you've solved for that because you're probably the best case study of personalized accountability that I can find in business. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I think the, the key is you have to find people who are as passionate, if not more passionate about your mission than you are. And the model we took is I truly believe in one-on-one accountability, right? So mm-hmm. we want to offer client signs up. They're getting paired with their very own coach. That same person is with them from start to finish. So the model we took, the approach we took was we're going to find other coaches who are as passionate about this as we are, if not more, extremely knowledgeable, dedicated, all that. And they're going to work with their own clients. And that's how we did it. So instead of doing group coaching or community, whatever it was, community, we decided we're going to hire coaches and I'm going to be in the business of finding the, the best coaches in the world-class coaches and making sure they understand our philosophies, our methodologies, et cetera. And that's how we built it out. So early on, I realized that like I can only work with so many clients. Correct. Like my job quickly became, how do we find more coaches? Yeah, so it became not necessarily a demand problem, which that's a whole other that's a whole other can of worms. I'm actually going to write that down because I want to go over that too about how you built all the or demand at scale. So I want to talk about how. So if you're okay with talking about it, we won't talk revenue, but you have 75 coaches on your team. How did you go about, especially from the grassroots beginnings? How did because you guys didn't take outside capital or anything, right? You were bootstrapped. Yeah. So how did you attract these coaches? How did you create this culture and this vision for what My Body Tutor is to where you not only kept attracted the best coaches in the world, but you got them bought into this vision so that every single coach is delivering like a phenomenal 10 out of 10 experience to each individual client? Because I'm sure it's something you think about all the time is what happens if I get a bad coach? What are like, how do I remedy that ASAP so that there's no like squeaky wheel across the entire organization? Totally. So we're, we're only as good as our coaches. I say that yep. all the time. And I guess, thankfully, we're in a fortunate position where we're getting over a dozen applicants every week of wow. coaches who want to work with us. So we're extremely picky in who we hire. So they go through a rigorous interview process. They go through a training process. So through the interview and training, they're not hired until the very end. So there's times where someone's six, seven weeks into training, and these people are all coming to us with extensive experience already. And we're like, you're not a good fit for us. So thankfully, once they're working with our clients, like we know they are exactly the type of person that is going to thrive with our clients and our business. Rarely is it like, oh man, this person was not a good hire. We're doing a lot of things upfront to weed them out. And that's, of course, by design because we don't want our clients having a bad experience. So hire slow, fire fast, right? That's the advice that I've heard. Yes. Hire slow. And if you do, you probably won't have to fire at all. But yes. Awesome. So two questions, two follow up questions. What makes these coaches want to work with you since they're so world class? What makes them want to work with you and apply in droves as opposed to working on their own? And then the second question is, what makes them not a fit? If when you're doing this hiring process, what are you looking out for? Or you're like, ah, no, not going to work. 
Yeah. So I've been at this for 16 years. For a long time, it's funny because like we're working with people like Sam Parr and Brandon Turner and everyone's in the last few years is like, oh, you feel like you blew up out of nowhere. It's, Dude, I've been at this for 16 years, a yeah. long time grinding away. And it's very hard to figure out a way and bring in clients consistently. I think we've figured out how to do that. But most coaches, and this was a challenge for me too, like I love helping people with their health and fitness, right? I don't necessarily love marketing or business or whatever when it comes to that, right? And the skill set of most coaches is they're practitioners. They're really good at helping people achieve their goals. They're not necessarily great at marketing and all that other stuff. So I think I know when coaches come to us, they just want to coach. That's what they love doing. They don't want to worry about all the business stuff, right? Wow. So they don't want to worry about the, the payroll, the, the credit cards, the marketing, the average. There's all sorts of stuff that they can, that they have to do social, like that they don't want to bother with. They just want to coach. And with us, we allow them to coach in a very great environment, a supportive environment, and they love it. Wow. So what makes people not a fit when you're like, what are your red flags you look out for? I think it would be massively hypocritical. Like, I think there are some coaches who think they know everything under the sun and they're not coachable at all. We're all works in progress. There's no doubt I'm a better coach today than I was even a year ago. And like, I'm 16 years in and I've worked with some professional athletes. I've worked with a lot of well-known people who demand the best of the best. And I'm still a better coach today than I was a year ago. I'm constantly improving. So there's some coaches you could just tell right off the bat, they feel like they know everything under the sun and it's just not going to be fun to work with them. But I think for a lot of it also is a lot of coaches, especially when it comes to nutrition or, or, or health and fitness, they're very focused on what to eat, what not to eat. And they're just dialed in on very small details, in my opinion. For me, it's really all about, can you help someone get out of their own way? Can you help someone change their mindset, their psychology, their habits, their relationship with food? That's the hard part. And I think when it comes to a personal trainer or nutritionist, like I think anyone can try to come up with some sort of plan for you. That's not the hard part. The hard part is how do you help someone do it consistently? How do you help someone overcome self-sabotage or all or nothing thinking or fear of failure or fear of success, which is surprising, but more, but, but actually a lot more common than you might think. There's emotional eating, stress eating. There's countless things that get in the way of success that have nothing to do with what you're actually eating. Mm. So, uh, I, man, there's so many different directions I want to take this. But first off, I want to summarize what you just said there because it it was an idea that I had that you just like you validated, and it's awesome. So, what you offer these coaches is distribution. So you say, hey, I want you to be the best at what you do. Don't handle the marketing. Don't handle the back end. Because I don't know any coaches that like handling the back end. So you're like, I'll handle the back end. I'll solve these major core problems for you. So you can basically, do you basically empower them to almost run their own business within your business? Yeah, they, they have. Exactly. But they're also, they're gaining a lot from us too. Like they, they're using our app. They're using our methodology. There's a lot of stuff. But yes, we're enabling coaches to do what they love doing without any of the other BS. I, I love this because it's so rare. I don't even know if you realize how rare it is to like have that personalized. It's so cool, man. It really is. Thank it's you. cool to watch because I'm like, because I was just like, how would I be able to build this? Is anybody building something like this? And it's Adam. I was like, this guy's got it figured out. This is awesome. So I want to go into the mindset real quick. People get caught up at the how, right? And in health and fitness, more than anything, the how is very documented, right? It's very simple when you actually break it down. So I always tell people it's the who and the where that are more important than the how. 
that's what you're talking about with the, the mindset and the psychology. Can you walk me through the journey when you bring on a new client that has a really flawed relationship with health and fitness or with food or with self-image, self-love, whatever have you, and obviously it's self-sabotage. Can you walk me through what that journey looks like in transition in their mindset? What are some techniques, some tricks that you give them that somebody that's listening to this can be like, oh man, I can use that today? Yeah. So I, I think a big differentiator is I think a lot of diet and nutrition programs out there are only focused on what you're eating, right? Mm -hmm. So it's eat this, don't eat that. And of course, we care about what our clients are eating, what they're not eating. But a real kind of light bulb for our clients is focusing on why they're eating, right? When you start to understand why you're eating and how you're eating, it changes everything, right? When you start to understand why you're eating, it's a lot easier to change what you're eating. So let's say you come home after a long day, it's an exhausting day, you're stressed, et cetera. Many people will go to the pantry or go to the refrigerator and eat something to deal with how they feel, right? To soothe themselves, to make themselves feel better, to make themselves not feel at all. That's a type of work we do with our clients, right? So we identify their triggers, we identify what's driving the behavior, and then we work on different responses to those triggers. And the fact that the feedback loop is so rapid, it's every day we're in communication with our clients, enables the change to happen, right? Because we could say, hey, you know what? When you get home from work today, let's try this. And then we get to see how it goes. And if it goes well, then it's great. And if not, then we say, all right, let's try this. But the the, the rapid feedback loop is is really important. And it's really just, instead of just only exclusively focusing on what the client is eating, we want to focus on why they're eating, how they're eating. That's where the magic happens. Um, and so, the same thing applies to success in, in business too, right? I think this will be super interesting and helpful for your viewers and listeners is you can provide people with the best business tactics in the world. They could buy the books, the courses, all this stuff. But here's the interesting thing, right? On some level, most people think they're very busy, right? And you, let's just say you take a business owner or you take a busy person who, who's working a lot. They already feel like they have very little free time, right? And like they think if they do more, if they're more successful, on some level, they feel like they're going to have actually even less free time than they do. <laughs> so my definition of self-sabotage is fearing the very thing we say we want, right? We're fearing the very thing we say we want. And for a lot of people out there, if they're already busy and they get more of what they say they want, they're going to actually have less free time. So part of the work is identifying the self-sabotage, but most importantly, figuring out how to actually make what you want actually improve your life. Right. So for many years, there was a time, and, and this was how I realized it. I was the bottleneck in the business. And I would say, I want to serve more people. I want to help more people. But on some level, it's like, how am I going to actually help more people? I have no time. I have no free time. I was working with every single client myself. This was many years ago. And it was in insane. And until I hired the right people and built the systems, then it was only then when I could say, all right, now we can actually serve more people in the way I want. And my life actually will be better, not worse off. You cool talking about that, about like how you build out your org chart? Sure. It's very simple, but absolutely. It, yeah. Do you start top? Did you start top down or did you start bottom up? So for me, it was always when I meet someone and they're extremely passionate, I just feel like we just are in lockstep and in alignment. It's, hey, how can we, I want you to work with us. Like you, you got to join us. Thankfully, I met our head coach early on. She was amazing. But she started as a coach and I was just like, we would talk a lot. I'm like, she's just incredible. And then she helped me build out our coaching team. So she trains our coaches. She hires them. I hire them. I'll be the final say. But so that was like 
to me, it's if you find someone who is equally or more passionate about you, about what you're doing, you got to figure out a way, way to make it work. And I'm also very patient. I always say patience plus consistency is unbeatable. And mm. one of my weird goals with my body tutor was I always wanted our executive team to go through the program. So our CTO was actually a client of my body tutor. We helped him lose a bunch of weight. And at that time, I was looking for a software developer and I was working with him myself and we got to talking and the rest is history. He's been working us full time for many years now, right? Our marketing guy, our head of growth, same thing. He was all about, he was a client. We helped him lose weight. He looks awesome. And we got to talking, right? So I've always, for me, it was always like, I want people who are so passionate about what they do. They actually like about what we do that they actually were paying clients. So that's how I did it. And listen, I'm 16 years in. For some people, they don't have that kind of time. They don't want to be patients, patient, but I do believe the patience is part of it. Like I wasn't in a rush because this is my life's work. I will be doing this, knock on wood, hopefully when I'm 95 years old. This is what I'm going to be doing until the day I die. Dude, we're murdering this interview. We're murdering this interview because <laughs> I'm going to wrap. Watch this. Watch it. You sitting down, Adam? You sitting down? Watch I'm this. sitting down. Okay, watch this. Two days ago, you put up a tweet. Who do you want to be? Act that way. He said, how do you know what you are or who you are? If it acts like a duck, it's a duck. It doesn't matter if it's duck. If a duck thinks it's a cat, it's still a duck as far as the rest of us are concerned. I find myself telling people to be who they want to be. I also find myself saying, act like you really want to act. So you're saying that you're 16 years deep. The way that I see it is if somebody just watches what you do and they're like, it walks like a duck, talks like a duck, like this is what I want. They could just do the same actions, right? And then, oh my God, did you just level jump the game? <laughs> Totally, totally. And it's just, it's awesome, man. So another thing that you said that I really like, and I'm glad you, like my literal next question was going to be, do you hire clients? Because I was just like, okay, so what I thought you were going to say was, I was like, I thought you were going to do all these out, external outside hires, but I was just one, I was gonna, my next question was going to be, do you like let them be clients first and then elevate them within the group, within the community, and then bring them on the team? So that's what you've done with even your sweet C-suite. So that's so with the C-suite, yes, with coaches, I'm proud. Like for me, I'm very proud that our coaches are all certified health coaches. They come to with, with with extensive experience. We're not one of those companies where we help someone lose weight and then they're suddenly an expert helping other people lose weight. Mm -hmm. um, like we all know companies that do that. So we do have some coaches who were clients, but they actually got certified, they studied, and then came back to us when they were ready, which I love. But yeah, our C-suite, all former clients, and it's been fun. So you you said something about like impatience and patience. You've said you've mentioned patience multiple times. Now there's a quote that I really like: "Be impatient with your actions, patient with the results." So I love that, and that seems to be what you're implementing. So can you describe your relationship with patience and how it changed when you realized that you needed to scale and that you did need to remove yourself from the business? And that's probably the same lessons that apply to your people that are going through the program. Totally. Listen, I try to live what I teach. I always say we practice what we preach. We don't preach what we practice. Oh, no, we preach what we practice. Pra yeah, we preach what we practice. But we don't necessarily... Wait, yeah. Am I saying it right? You're killing People me. say practice <laughs> what we preach. We practice what we preach. There we go. But we also preach what we practice. I don't know. I totally butchered that. Anyway, I think patience is really important. And listen, obviously, or maybe not obviously, but I have a, a sense of urgency. But I've also realized when you're building something that you want to endure... I would love for my kids to take over this company one day, right? I would love for this to be around in 50 years. That's truly my goal. I want to be doing this for the rest of my life because I know what it's like to work at a company I hate and don't like, right? So for me, every, get, every day I get to do this is awesome. Um, so when you're building something for the long term, 
you have to be patient, right? There's a lot of things that if they don't meet our North Star, so to speak, or they don't follow our mission, which is how can we help our clients stay consistent, then it's an easy no, right? We get offers every single week of like, hey, do you want to promote this supplement? Do you want to promote this you know, exercise thing? It's, this doesn't really help our clients stay consistent, right? Sure, we, we can make a bunch of money doing that, but like that's, I don't believe in that. I don't think it helps. It's not a, in alignment with our mission. So for me, it's just about where do you want to be in the long term? And if you're building something for the long term, you don't necessarily need to rush things. Mm. You can take your time. I certainly took our time with growth in, in that the fact that our key hires, I like waited until I found them. I didn't just go out and say, we need this now. There was more when we when I feel like the right person is there, then we're going to go for it. Mm-hmm. Who holds you accountable? My team, my clients, my family. I want to show up to the world in the best way possible. And I also work with a coach, yeah, a lot so of people. I, so it never stops. No. I think that's the funny, that's like the fallacy is people think that one day the work stops and it never stops. And Alex Ramosi has a really good quote that I liked and he took it from somewhere, but I'll, I'll quote him. He says like, the best games in life aren't winnable. So you can't win marriage. You can only remain married. You can't win health. You can only remain healthy. So it's like, how do you keep going? And I think it's also, you know, I always say like, how long do you intend to keep brushing your teeth? Like hopefully every single day until the day you die, right? Like that's the goal. And when it comes to health, it's definitely like you have to figure, think about what it is you want. I think for a few things, for I think for business people and just people in life, like in general in life, I think health is the ultimate productivity tool, right? When you have better health, you have more energy, more focus, more clarity, more endurance to do to could to go out there and make it happen, right? So I think like you have to think about what it is you want. And I think it's the people who are like, all right, I need a certain body type or I want to have this goal. Yes, once they reach that goal, they're usually on to the next thing. But one of the things we stress with our clients is we want this to be for life, right? This is not just a short-term thing. And there's so many advantages of better health and more energy. For me, one of my goals in life is to never tell my kids I'm too tired to play with them. That's just one of my rules. Hmm. I will never say I'm too tired to play with them. Because I grew up with a father who couldn't play with me. He was sick and tired. And so that's just one of my goals. God, man, if you were to do, if you were to do marketing, like that would be the, that's it. That's the punch. That's seriously, like that's the core of, I feel like everything that you're trying to do. Yeah. Oh my God. That was so good that I had something I was about to say and I just completely lost it. (laughs) That's how good that was, man. Let's, as we're wrapping up here. Let's do an elevator pitch here because people are bought into these ideas, to these concepts. And a lot of people listening to this show are very process-driven, very action-driven, and they want to lose the weight. They want to do the thing. Man, just give a straight-up pitch about My Body Tutor and why people should sign up and like where they should sign up. Yeah, I mean, listen, if you have trouble staying consistent, if you're very good at making promises to other people, but you're not very good at keeping promises to yourself... If you find like you keep telling yourself you're going to start over or yeah, you start over or next month I'll, I'll start fresh. If you just find yourself in this pattern of not liking how you're looking or feeling, then there's no doubt I would love to help you. I know we can help you. We've been at this for 16 years. As I said, we'll help you stay consistent, come up with a plan for you. We're going to help you change your mindset, psychology and habits in relation to the food. And we're going to hold you accountable day in and day out. We actually even offer 30-day money-back guarantee. Part of one of my core beliefs is put your money where your words are. Like, I really believe in what we do more than anything in the world. Someone can try our program for, for, for a month. They don't see results. We will make it right. 
I'm super confident in what we do. I'm very confident in our program and processes. So yeah, if you have any questions, reach out to me directly, adam at mybodysuitor.com. I would love to work with you. No doubt we can help you get and stay in the best shape of your life. And then the website's bodytutor.com, correct? Yeah, bodytutor.com or mybodytutor.com. Either way, we have both of them. Man's um, got URLs on deck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like the old Facebook. The Facebook, we took off the, the, we took off the my. Yeah, mybodytutor.com or bodytutor.com. You can inquire there and someone will reach out to you as well if you want. Perfect. And we'll end it, we'll end it with this. Another quote. I'm just freaking quote machine today. A healthy man wants 99 things. A sick man wants one. That's to be healthy. So it's just people that are listening to this right now. If you don't have your health, you have nothing. So it's like all these grand goals that you have, and, I, and myself included, I'm going to end this interview right now on time so I can go to the gym because it's important to me. And it's, if you don't have your health, and there have been times where I've been sick, and it's all you can think about. It's it. There is nothing else that exists. If you may be healthy enough right now, I would recommend reaching out to Adam and his team because if you listen to this podcast, it means you like action and you like consistency. So I think that'd probably be a match made in heaven. So Adam, dude, thank you so much for coming on, man. This has been awesome. Probably, hopefully not a normal conversation that you have, man, because this no, has been a I, fun one. I appreciate the research. Great questions. And to your point, when you have your health, you have unlimited wishes. When you don't have your health, you only have one wish and that's to get healthy. And I think the quickly, I think the misconception people have and Brandon Turner, Sam, all these people felt the same way. It's like they felt like if they took time for their health and fitness, their business and, and career would suffer. When in reality, prioritizing their health and fitness actually helped them improve their business and career because they had more energy, more focus, more clarity. As I said, health is the ultimate productivity tool. It's going to help you do and handle everything else better. There's no question about it. Health is the one thing in life where, you know, when it's great, everything else get, it gets better. And when it's not there, that's all you think about. So that that's actually what I was going to mention earlier was about the whole, oh, I'm too busy for this now. And I was like, oh, okay. So when you accomplish all your wildest hopes and dreams, you're going to be less busy then, right? So it's like busy is the best time to get started. That's when, because if you could do it when you're busy, then you could definitely do it when you're not. And yes, and just, and also I think, and hopefully we're all busy for a long time. Like I want to be cooking and busy for a while. If I'm not busy, that means things are calming down and settling down. That means my kids are out of the house. Like, I don't want that. Like busy is good. You got to fit it into your life though. That's the idea. Yes, sir. All right, guys, check out my body tutor. Check out Adam. What's the email again? Adam at mybodytutor.com. And we're on all the socials, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok everything you can imagine. And uh, yeah, I would love to hear from you. I look forward to it. Beautiful. Thank you so much for coming on, my friend. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. With that, that's been Adam and Brian with the Action Academy Podcast signing off. Hey, real quick. If you're still listening to today's episode, I'm assuming you got value from it. So I need your help specifically. My two-year vision with this show is to help over 1 million people do what they want, when they want, with who they want. And I can only do that with your help. There are two main ways that a podcast grows. One is through ratings and reviews, and the other is word of mouth. If you could please leave me a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, as well as send this to one or two friends that you think would get value from it, we can reach the people that we're looking to reach. Thanks in advance. Talk tomorrow.